0: what's up guys welcome back to blood sweat and gear with skip hill andrew barry i'm scott mcnally all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com you can use our code think for some additional savings on high quality third-party tested supplements Uh, you can also go to supplementsource.ca if you want to support us from canada Uh, they've got blowout deals on uh, label changes overstock uh, short-dated products plus plus all the regular stuff too Skip is just fucking hammering that. Is that a shaker? Team
1: Skip it? protein. It is. is it? It's Red Velvet, actually. Fucking hammering that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm.
0: So we have like a gazillion questions, uh, literally, that we're going to try to answer here today for you guys. And by the way, you guys have been killing it. Like everybody on YouTube, everybody at the Facebook group for Think Big, uh, Patreon. I've got like a ton of questions from everywhere. So we're going to try to get through them today. Um, but, but really quick, though, I wanted to tell you, uh, I got a chance to go to Chicago and I got a workout in with Chase Irons. You didn't Nicely. get a chance to meet him, Skip. You you weren't here no. for that. But Andrew did. No,
1: I'm aware of who he is because he listens and he asks questions and he knows, um, seems to know shit from his YouTube channel and everything else. Seems like a good dude.
0: Dude, that quad's gym. I mean, I've been there a couple times before. That's. That's got to be in my top three gyms that I've gone to. That place is really good. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. I mean, I haven't been everywhere in the you, world, you know, but I, I like it a lot.
2: How would you rank it? Because you've been, I, I've been to both too, but I think you said you've been to Montanari's before, right? No, no, no. I
0: haven't been to Montanari's and I know that that's really uh, good.
2: Yeah. Okay. Have you been to Bebs? <laughs>
0: No, nope, I haven't been anywhere East Coast, man. I mean... uh All right, then you
1: haven't been, you haven't been to gyms yet if you haven't been to East Coast gyms.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Quads is nostalgic, though, because it's been around for so long. I remember being a teenager, and that was the place to go. So they've been around forever. Yeah. Yeah, they have a lot of good well, stuff. I,
0: what?
2: Who? I only say that about the East Coast gyms because, like, you could be in contest shape, like literally the show is like next day or next week. And yeah. you're going to one of these gyms and you might not even be the best athlete in the gym that day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you're already a good established bodybuilder and you, you look around and you're like, Oh man, who the hell is this guy? I've never even seen him before on Instagram. And you're mm-hmm. like, he'd probably trash me on stage if he actually guided down <laughs> just a few more weeks. And <laughs> yeah. i you, you, just see that everywhere in the East coast gyms. So.
0: I, I believe it, man. I feel like there is some bleed over uh, to here in the Midwest, you know, like I, I think Detroit, we've got that that there's like that what i would say watching bodybuilding stuff is like that that east coast hardcore work ethic Versus we think about like the California gyms where the guys have got it easy and they're in the sun, you know, and I've been a lot more out west than I have uh, out east. Like the furthest east I've ever traveled, I think, is Pennsylvania because Florida doesn't count. Florida is east, but it's not really considered, you know, isn't that weird? We don't consider Florida. Florida is Florida. Yeah. Florida is its own thing. Right.
1: Well, it's not only Florida, it's South Florida ah because outside uh, of south so it's just like nah. once you get north of tampa it's might as well be georgia <laughs> <laughs> so
0: yeah we had a good time though um i had a chance to meet uh an ipb pro that was trained in there pete diego he listens to the programming as well uh, i mentioned that before we got uh, live here and andrew you said you saw him actually turn pro a couple of years back huh
2: yeah i think if i remember correctly it was the 2020 nationals and if if i'm he's a welterweight right
0: yeah, it was twenty twenty. He said, and he yeah welterweight. He's getting bigger so though. The, He's gained a lot of size. Well,
2: the the welters for both the USA's and nationals that year were like lights out, and it's like rare that you say like, dude, did you see that welterweight class at, at a yeah. show? Yeah. But like they were like the talk of the like the the show. Like the the welters were, and obviously they're always going to be peeled because you know they're the cutoff between the middles and the and the you know lightweights and whatnot. But Just the the conditioning that all of these guys brought and the development, especially in the lower body and from the back, was just incredible. Like three or four of the guys, when they came out for their individuals, they turned right around their first shot and they started hitting back shots just because it was that impressive. No kidding. He definitely, yeah, he won his card in a good class.
0: That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, Yeah, so he said he's going to do his goal. He's working with Andrew Vu uh, and he's going to do Chicago Pro of next year. So, you know, he's taking that time to grow, man, from 2020 to 2023. That's a a pretty big, you know, that's a pretty good offseason. You have a lot of time to to grow. And he was a big guy. We took a picture together. I'll put it up. It doesn't do him justice because his legs are, they're definitely pro-quality legs. There's no question. So. They were training legs too, so we got a chance to hang out with him and his training partner Drew, who's like just a couple weeks out from his first show. And I guarantee you, this kid, he's gonna have. I don't care who else shows up, he'll have the biggest legs on stage. I think he'll be. Wow. I think he was light heavy, but he'll have like he's got good. This kid's got good legs, and you know, pretty awesome for his first show. So it was cool, man. That that gym is amazing. You know, ov- overall, like it, it's a it's a curation. And and I'm sure that like Bev's is like that too. It's a curation of equipment. It's not like they're like, hey, let's just bring you know whatever hammer strength in and just put all hammer, yeah, You yep. know. So anyway, uh, like I said, we've got a bunch of questions. Skip, you're in. Is it Milwaukee? Where are you? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yep. Yeah. What's that? Is that a Milwaukee hat?
1: Yeah, it's my Brewers hat. Was at the game last night. We got blown out by Philadelphia, and I say we. I'm a we- fair weather we? baseball fan. Yeah, okay. I, <laughs> that's why I, I, I say. I, yeah, I'm referring to Milwaukee. I'm a fair weather baseball fan. I'm just a baseball fan. If I'm in Colorado, I'm a Colorado Rockies fan. If I'm in Miami, I'm a Marlins fan. I just want to see good baseball. So when I'm here, I don my Brewers gear and I sit behind the Philadelphia bench because I want to be closer to the dugout and it's hard to get t- seats right behind the Brewer dugout. So it is what it is. <laughs>
0: That's cool. And and I know your daughter is in labor right now. So, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, she was that.
1: last. Yeah, she was last night and they sent her home because she wants to do it natural. She didn't even want him breaking her water, which is cool. Huh. It's totally cool. But after she has a couple, she'll be like, I'll take the Pitocin. Let's get this shit done. with. <laughs> Give me the drugs, right? Yeah, So she's at a doctor's appointment right now. They're going to strip her membranes, and she's already having contractions five minutes apart, but it's her first one, so it could be still another 42 days.
0: <laughs> I
1: might be here for a while. I don't know. All right, I think today, but anyway.
0: Glad you can you can make it here to, to knock these shows out and guys as I always say uh, you know we uh, we're all full-time coaches this is what we do skip's been coaching for over 20 years Andrew's been coaching for 14 or more now I'm just behind him at 13 so we're here today to basically share our education with you try to help you with these questions uh, to help you do better at this sport and uh, you know stay safe in the process I had to start with this though because this was a, a topic that came up Over in our group, um, Joel had asked, he says, question for Scott, Skip, and all the other prep coaches here. Dusty mentioned the use of one of those instapot pressure cooker things to prep chicken. Outside of shorter cooking time and possibly a more moist product, do you see any advantages to using this method over baking chicken? And uh Skip, and I got into a heated debate about this well, not really heated, but we figure we could talk about it. um I'm all for it, man, but Skip, you're not a fan?
1: I'm just not a fan because I just care more about the prep time. I prep my chicken one week at a time, and i chicken. T- i said this in you know when you and I were talking about i'm just I've always approached food. During the week is kind of like you know this is outside of skip loading obviously, but I just approach it as I just it's gonna suck and I'm just gonna choke it down, and I liquefy whatever meat I'm eating and I and I eat it. And every now and then I'll switch to scallops or something that's tastier. If I get you know or ahi tuna steaks, raw ahi tuna steaks, things like that. But as we all know, that gets a little expensive if you're doing. Plus, I, you know the other thing is too. I'm thinking of Cardone, Dominic Cardone, uh, where if you eat too much fish. You know, he's a classic case. He got mercury poisoning bad and didn't know what it was until he found out. When he found out, it took a while to clean it up and now he's healthy again. But you also have to be careful with your, uh, you know, with eating things like that too often. So with chicken, I mean, chicken's the old standby, so it's easy to prep. You aren't likely to get any toxic effects from it. And I prep that shit once a week. And I just don't give a shit what it tastes like. If I was going to eat it meal to meal, then I would do something like, because it, it would, it would taste better. It'd be moist. It'd be great. And then other people are like, wow, well, you could cook it. You can make it good. I'm not going to spend that much fucking time. <laughs> That's just cool. me. I mean, I'm not knocking yeah, it. I'm just not going to
2: do it. You, you can prep a bunch of shredded chicken for the week the same way you would. Like when I was using it, I was putting like nine or 12 chicken breasts in the thing huh. and I would use it for the week and just pull out. Was it as moist and fresh as the, you know, when it was first, cooked? No, absolutely not. But I think the shredded... uh, Well, my whole thing is like, A if you like the food you're going to eat, you're eating you're going to stick to your plan and you're going to digest it better because there is studies that show that when you when you enjoy or you're looking forward to eating what you're going to eat you start producing pepalin which starts the digestion process so right off the bat like if you can get a little bit of digestion from enjoying what you're eating by the manner you're cooking it the seasonings you're using the um, the extra veggies you're adding for flavor and consistency and all that kind of stuff i'm all for it Um, the other thing I do, I I liked about the shredded chicken was it was already, you know, broken up into tiny pieces. I'm real big on cutting my food up into the tiniest pieces possible. And then just for like the digestion process. So like with the shredded chicken, it's already shredded, but then I cut it with my scissors even more. So it's these tiny little, little morsels. And I do the same thing if I'm doing baked chicken as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess my point is that you could absolutely cook a week's worth of shredded chicken the same way you would a baked chicken.
0: Skip is old school. That's that's what this is. Skip. You're old, you're <laughs> this is one of those moments where people are like, Oh, I'm that guy's that guy's old school. And and but but really, man, I remember like Dave Polsonella saying, like, I don't want flavor. You know, flavor is just one more thing that I'd have to think about. And I can leave that out, and the next thing I know, if I had it, then I'm gonna need it, and then I'm gonna run out and I'm gonna want it. And he was like, So it's one last right. thing I have to deal with. I get that. I get that. I don't have an Instapot. Andrew, do you you said you do have one, but I don't even know. It's a pressure cooker or what is it thing?
2: Yeah, it's a pressure cooker. You can put like nine chicken breasts in there with some water and, uh, you know, it'll cook it in 40, 45 minutes or something like that. And okay. then you just, you know, you take it out, you dump the water out and you take something to mash it up into little pieces Ooh. and shred it. And, you know, you know, like pulled, pulled pork. Yeah. Yeah. It, it comes out to a consistency like that, just without the fat, obviously. Um, See, I, I mash a, it all up. Bike.
1: I just do it with my teeth. I don't do it with scissors or anything else. I fucking chew it. But to make a good point as far as digestion, because I and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but this is important. Uh, what you said earlier about making it small and, and digestion. You do need to be very careful with chewing. You want to basically liquefy your food if you can because there's a pre-digested aspect of the you know, saliva and everything else. The digestion starts in your mouth and you know, it's not just in your stomach. So you do want to liquefy and really chew, especially meat and things that are tougher like that so that. It's just assimilated quicker and more efficiently than just choking down. So when I say I, I'm choking down chicken as fast as I can, I'm not chewing it in chunks. And I have that situation. I think Dusty did too. I'm assuming he did because of the problem he had with when he was in the hospital for so long. But I have to liquefy my food anyway because the muscle, the sphincter muscle just before my stomach is very tight so i will get a backup of food into yeah. my esophagus if i don't chew mm-hmm. it real well so which is kind of a benefit people say well you could get it fixed you could get it stretched out andy hammond did uh usually once a year when huh. uh back when he was uh well, back when he was alive, i guess god that's weird to say but anyway um it forces me to not be quick with eating my food because i i have to lick which is better for me anyway
0: Yeah, Yeah. I have a um, I have an air fryer, and and the biggest drawback I see with those things is the amount of food you can cook at once. I got the the Ninja XL, which you know, use code Think where you're at Target buying your Ninja. Uh, uh, We (laughs) obviously we're unaffiliated (laughs) with them, and it's it has like a bigger pot to it, so that it works better. I can do like at least four chicken breasts, but for like. Big time bodybuilder, you know, diet prep. It's, it's not going to get you through your week. That's for sure. But I'm with Andrew. That's the thing that, and that was my thing, you know, on, online skip was that I, I want to be able to make it taste good so that I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be more focused on wanting my food, you know? Cause I think like, I guess one of the directions I wanted to go with it is I feel like, you know, newer people to bodybuilding they can get burnt out really quick sure. you know with the foods even with the best intentions but they don't put any love into if you don't put any love into your food you don't make it taste palatable you don't put, like be creative with it and if you just do the same thing day after day after day give it 2 years and you're there's a chance you're going to quit not to mention i feel like i've i've had <clears throat> foods that i got so burnt out on they would start making me nauseous just to put them in my mouth mm-hmm. you guys ever have that
1: Tuna. I can't Uh, eat tuna from a can. Fuck that. I I would go, I'd take up badminton if I ever had to eat
2: (laughs) tuna out of a can again. Fuck that. Well, well, wouldn't you guys also agree that this is more important in terms of making your food taste good in the off-season? Like, not when you're just out of the gate from a prep, but we're talking like you're 18 months into an off-season. Your show is not for another six or eight months or whatever, and you're at 6,000 calories a day like shoveling in chicken and rice gets really, really old, especially when you're waking up pretty full your next meal. You're already like, man, how am I going to get through this? You're literally sweating thinking about how am I going to eat this third meal? And it just goes downhill from there for the day. Um, So I find that like, you got to find little, little tricks and things that are going to make, make it palatable to you. So you want to eat it. And I was joking around with someone about this the other day. I think it was like, it was Nate or something like that. Oh yeah. We were on a different podcast for mountain dog. And, um, we're joking around about how like you know like he was like dude he's like my, I got hungry at two and a half hours instead of three hours and I'm like take it like eat yeah. then you know because and he knows because he's shoveling you know he's, his calories are close to six k right now and okay uh, anytime you can you're in the off season and you're like you start to get hungry in between meals and it's a little earlier than normal holy crap that's like hitting like you know double aces on on on, on a uh you know, poker or something like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and for people that do have digestion issues, especially like like IBS, I had learned you know in the past few years that that the easier it is to digest, going back to like the chewed up thing, the easier it is to digest, the less acids and stuff, the less your body has to actually work to get that food broken down. So you know, there there's that element too. Not only that, does does digestion start sooner. But digestion is overall easier if the food is very well broken down so I just wanted to throw that in there too. Mm-hmm. We got a bunch of questions though guys like like a lot a lot um so we don't have to go long on all of these you know if there's something that it's like yeah it's a it's a yes or no thing we can always do a yes or no um for instance on this one. Start here. This one's from YouTube. And by the way, guys, if you want to take part in the next show, we're going to need questions for it. So comment below. Uh, We're knocking out like two podcasts at a time. So you'll see this one, you'll see the next one, and then we'll be recording again. So comment with your questions. I'll be collecting them all up before we record next. Uh, Robbie says, thoughts on using long esters into a comp. So not switching to probe and
2: whatever else. I mean, I absolutely think it can be done. Do I do it? No, I prefer a shorter ester. I'd rather inject daily or every other day at the least. Um, but I don't think there's much of a rule of why you couldn't do it as long as you're controlling your estrogen towards those last yeah. two three weeks of the show. Yeah.
0: Do you? Do you yeah, I'm gonna go that route? route too. Yeah. Oh. I was just gonna ask what you what you did, Tim. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. It's funny, there's a situation right now where I have uh, switched to shorter esters, and for this happens every now and then, I just don't tolerate them well. A lot of pain uh, at the injection site. And, it, it, and here's the thing people say, well, oh, it, we tend to jump to, well, it's the, you know, benzyl alcohol and, you know, how it's put together. But it's this situation isn't because I always split my shots because of volume. I like to go, I, I, every day, like if I am injecting Monday, Wednesday, Friday, just as an example, um, I will go left, right, Monday, left, right, Tuesday, or Wednesday and left, right, Friday, all my shots are split in half. So if I hit delts, I hit left and right. If I hit quads, I hit left and right. And I, we'll put one in, you know, say my rectus femoris and the right will be absurdly sore and the left won't, or I put it into my, you know, my delts or my rear delts. And it, it's just, sometimes I just don't tolerate them very well for whatever reason. And I actually had to cut back and go back, switch back to, um, a little bit longer esters. Sometimes too, it's also the, um, what I want to say the ratio so, you know, if I get predominantly short ester, then it sometimes can be more painful too. And, and not just myself, but other people. So, there, there sometimes has to be a balance in there of what you can tolerate hmm. that can play into. I mean, to the point where, you know, I'd be, I'll be sore for, you know, sometimes five days or something. So, it doesn't happen very often, but I prefer the short esters too. I just think that, I don't know, they're easier to control. The more you're able to control and keep your blood levels stable. Uh, then obviously you're going to be able to keep uh, any type of estrogen kickback a little bit more stable as well. And you don't want to ride that roller coaster any more than you want to.
0: I'm I'm surprised that both of you guys do. I'm I'm the opposite. Um, And and, from my personal experience, the longer I had competed, the more gear I would use, I found the easier it was to get higher volumes of um, milligrams in with less milliliters. Of oil, but then I, I've kind of gone to that extreme other end of using low doses, and and a lot of the clients that I work with are guys that aren't you know they're using you know very, what we would call very moderate stuff stuff for uh, contest preps, uh, but we still stay with the long esters. I don't have a problem with them, you know. I just I my look my thought is like if we're doing good with it, uh, well let's continue to ride that out. No reason to change it, and uh, we we may still do like okay for instance. The only real fast-acting injectable that I like to use regularly is Trend, and that you know Trend Ace. I don't like using Trendy in a prep, but like you know, we'll start a contest prep out with Test, add in a fat burner like Clen later in the prep, maybe eight weeks. Start adding in like a long-acting Masteron, and then ride all the way in with that, and then the that last like six weeks, four weeks. That's where we could add in that fast-acting Trend, so. If if you had a guy who was using like, you know, 500 mast in the 750 test, you can get that in, you know, three, you can get that in like five milliliters. Uh, you know, it's it's just, it, it's less oil, I guess, you know, and, sure. and can I ask you a question we, and, and, and one more thing and then we'll split up to every other day protocols when we add that trend in. So it ends up being like. You know much less because you only need, like, say, a half a milliliter a test and a half a milliliter a master and then a half of you know, so it's like a one, it's like a 1.5 milliliter shot every other day, is you know, a lot of times what it comes
2: out to. So keeps that volume down. Well, can I, ask, can I ask you a question though? So, let's say you make the determination at like I don't know two weeks or 10 days out that you that you don't you want to pull the testosterone. Uh, I guess my reasoning with a faster. Faster-acting testosterone with with the shorter ester, I should say, is that when you pull it, you know, it's gone the next day for the most part, right? Yeah. Whereas the longer ester, well, now you got to like wait five, six, seven days until it's really cleared to an appreciable level that's considered pulling your test. If you get what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I I feel like I don't really pull the test a lot, honestly. Okay. So I don't really pull the test a lot, and I feel like if you do, and you were to pull it at two weeks out, or even say like even say like the last 10 days, I think you can, just by not giving the person more, you know what I mean? That you can let those levels at least not continue to build up and they're coming down into the show. But I I generally don't, I guess, you know what the other thing is though, is I'm not really pushing tests super hard anyway. So that that's probably part of it too. But yeah, I, I don't do that. And I, I know that as of, it was like probably five, six years ago, other, other coaches that were, you know, really highly regarded in bodybuilding uh, were of that same mindset. So that's why I find it interesting. I do that and you guys don't. You guys, you guys prefer the fast acting stuff. Well, there's more. We're not very highly regarded, though. I mean, <laughs> let's be fair here. <laughs> no,
1: it, 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 but you make a good point about total dosage, too, because obviously, you know, the volume of the shots can. It plays a big part too, so there has to be some, you know, there has to be some balance there because you know it comes back to at the risk of getting off on a tangent, I'll be careful with this, but you know I've argued before that the amount of oil in that is injected has to be metabolized by the body, Mm -hmm. so there has to be some, you know, if you inject fat, which essentially you're you're injecting oil, it has to be metabolized by the body at some point. So I, you know, I assume. And I have nothing to back this up or prove it other than, I guess, just simple logic. But if you're eating fat or you're injecting fat, the body has to metabolize and break it down. So so you, if you're taking in a lot of high-volume oil, to some degree, the body has to metabolize that. So it has to play – I don't want to say it has to play into the diet directly because that's a very simple – or an oversimplified explanation, but it's got to play into it to some degree. So if you're talking 20 mil of short esters versus I'm using arbitrary numbers, you know, of, or six mil for long esters, there's a very, very huge difference or a huge contrast between the amount of you know, oil that you're injecting. The other thing is, is, the more oil that you inject, I think sometimes there can be that that look where at your injection sites. So Let's say you're putting them all into your shoulders. You're probably not going to have that thin paper, that paper-thin skin in that area that you would have. So then it comes back to a lot of different injection sites with shorter – if you're going shorter esters or more more voluminous injections, you got to get creative. My my wife hates putting shots in my rear delts, but I absolutely fucking love it because it's like butter or Mm -hmm. lats or anything like that, and they hold really well versus – You know places that you use all the time that some sometimes can what they're what I call seepers. They end up seeping, and then they end up you know halfway down your arm if you put it in your delt, and it's it's or just hit a nerve,
0: or just hit a nerve and end up you know more inflamed. You know,
1: yeah, but if you hit the same spot over and over, you've basically killed all the nerves in that area. (laughs) (laughs) So there comes a point where it's not a
2: nervous. Oh yeah. Oh Oh, god, yeah. Oh yeah. In your shoulders, though.
0: Yeah, and I think I had a client just do it uh, yesterday it or the day shoulder. before. Yeah.
1: I've I'll tell you what's it. worse. Yeah? hit, it. Take a shot. This has only happened twice in my life, and I've done gear for a long time. Put a, uh, a, It happened both times in my shoulder. Start to put that bitch in, and literally it feels like battery acid going to your lungs. That's it's moving feeling. up your – Shoulder and and you're like what the fuck? Rip that bitch out and I, it hurts so bad. I'll be fucking punching that I've thing, that trying run. to distract myself from the pain. It's horrible. And it's too Absolutely late. It's in horrible.
0: there. You know what I mean? It's in there. Yeah, yep. there's no going and It's back. funny because
1: your brain goes what the fuck like you're registering that it's not right and you're like what the fu-? by the time you realize you're like oh shit And you're just getting it out because you know it's gonna get and then you're like panicked because you're like this is just not gonna be good when it gets to where it's going
2: this is not good <laughs> so so you decided to quit steroids that day didn't you <laughs> yeah I,
1: I did but then the next day i came back to him
2: <laughs> five minutes later you did the other side
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly
2: we had a, I tell you uh, what, I was anxious doing that
1: other side, too. I'm like, God damn, I don't want that to happen again.
0: We had a listener who, because we had talked about that before, like what happens to the oil, do you metabolize it? Uh, he had said, uh, he explained that you it doesn't, it it is not used the same way. I can't remember the explanation. I don't really know whether it was true or not, but he had said that, no, we, we don't process it like we would a digestive fat. So I'm not sure.
1: Well, I would like to, I'd like to, you know, hear what that explanation is. It has to be metabolized in some. It just yeah. has to. It, it
2: doesn't it, just sit there so, for all eternity.
1: Yeah, right. It it has to. So then I just look at it and I just think, how can it not? Now I'm not saying that he's wrong. All I'm saying is I want to hear what that explanation is, so that you know I can think to myself, okay, that's logical. I guess that makes sense. I'm not saying I'm right. All I'm saying is I have not heard anyone explain it in a way that I go, oh, okay. Then then that wouldn't that wouldn't. Yeah.
2: You know, you
0: know who would know, you know, who would know Scott Stevenson? Stevenson. No question.
2: You know, I should ask him. Yeah, but think about it. Glycerol and fatty acids attached to the anabolic like it has it's got to be digested and absorbed somehow. The other thing, uh, though, I wanted to bring up was that the SEO oils, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation that you know, people that have been having some issues with their lungs or, or, you know, embolisms and whatnot, it's because the oil eventually does seep into the bloodstream and then it collects and fills in the lung tissue and causes some major issues.
0: I could see that. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. If we've provided value to you today, then please consider contributing to our show. You can help support the show through Patreon. Every $5 helps to pay for the software and the hardware and everything else that goes into making a podcast. You can also contribute by using our code at True Nutrition. True Nutrition has been our title sponsor for several years now. I'm super grateful for them. And I've believed in True Nutrition supplements long before they sponsored our programming. You could use our code THINK for health supplements and performance supplements. Feel free to hit me up if you have any questions. And if you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. They have free shipping over $99, huge discounts on overstock, short-dated, and label-change products, plus they have all your normal supplements too. Thank you guys for listening to the commercial. I hope you're having a great day and that your bodybuilding is going well. Let's get back to the shelf. All right, I'm um, going to move on here. Vic has one for us. He says, uh, oh, this is just a comment. We were talking about our favorite brands. Like if you could like outfit yeah, I a gym. That. Remember yeah. with like one brand of equipment. He said, I don't want to sound like the Cybex sales guy here. Uh, but again. But. Yeah, but <laughs> again, it makes me sad not hearing any mention on this legendary brand. She has a point, man. Yeah. Cybex has been around for a long time; they're like in every gym, you know. Yeah, I think we yeah, kind of take for granted. Yeah,
2: they make great equipment is. overall, you know. I will say the hack squat is a pain. It's it's a hard hack squat. You guys know what I am talking about. The Cybex
1: junk, I hate it. The drag <laughs> is horrible on it, even when they're brand new. <laughs> it's
2: sticky. Some
1: Cybex equipment is, yeah, it, exactly. It, it. I don't know if it's the bearing the way the bearings are, but even when they were newer. Even when, like, back in the the 80s and early 90s, they just weren't much better. I don't think it's bad equipment. I just think there's better equipment. You,
0: I, I would say, you know, you could say they're like the brand that we all take for granted. You know, they, they yeah. kind of, they have, you know what I really like is the Cybex 1990s, uh, early 90s uh, Smith machine. Those are nice. I was say machines. The,
2: the older stuff, I do prefer. I don't like any of the newer Cybex stuff. It just yeah. seems too commercial gym health clubby, I guess. It does. It's not. Like a lot of life You fitness. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I do think, like, some of their cable stations, you know, like the little functional trainer cable station they have? It's, like, kind of set up like a half octagon. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. To, yeah. I feel Those are like kind of weird. It's a little it's a little too close together. Like if you spread it out, just like another two feet, a guy like my size can get in there and, and do a lot of stuff with it. You know,
0: but. we had a bunch of those machines, like where on it, where it was like an enclosed octagon. And then on the outside of it would be like a bench to do like an overhead tricep, you know, uh, extension. And the other side would okay. be another machine. And you know, what do you know what I'm talking about? They would, it was kind of yeah. weird. Those were, those were kind of yeah. weird. Yeah.
2: I feel like they've kind of gone the direction of trying to make, like, fitness machines for, like, health clubs, hotels. Um, Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not not the kind of stuff that we would absolutely, like, fall in love with. Like, it gets the job done, um, but just kind of, like, made for maybe a different audience, I guess, overall. How about this? How about this? Icarian is VHS
1: and Cybex is Beta. Oh, did I I probably dated myself. You guys are like, what's that? But you know, back during the Yeah, okay. We know. Just making sure. Just making sure.
0: (laughs) All right.
2: Uh, See that gray right there, buddy? See that gray? (laughs) (laughs) Nah. See,
0: what's this one here? Um Okay, comment for the algorithm. Seriously though, thanks for the great content, plus question for the next show. Thank you for the comment, you guys. All of your comments help to boost the show up, so please comment. Anything you got, we'd love to hear it. Um, submitted let's see, submitted the DECA 200. Remember, this guy submitted that
2: one question. Oh,
0: uh, DECA 200 and test 400. Um, some context. Hope this doesn't become like homework. Been training for 15 years now, been competing in men's physique as a natty since 2014. Obviously, hit my natty limit. Fast forward, started 200 test. Uh, 200 milligrams for TRT uh, last August, 2021. Saw my results, but after digging deeper, I jumped on blastin cycle, 400 milligrams on November. Run that for 15 weeks, stopped in March, and then back to 200 tests. Currently cutting down in 200 milligrams of test and 25 milligrams of Anivar for eight weeks. I'd like to run this second cycle Put some tissue and would hope to compete next year in local men's physique show. So, what was the question in this? Did do you remember Probably what you were talking what about take last time? Or
2: what that so, cycle was he was asking if because he had done 400 tests before, and I think he was asking is adding 200 milligrams of Deca the next appropriate step for him in his PED um, oh, journey? I guess okay. And we had all said. 200 milligrams of DECA is not really going to do all that much. You might as well just either bump your test up or bump your DECA to a concomitant, like, you know, like a 400 milligrams of that as well. I, I think we were all in agreement about that.
0: Yeah. Would you guys still both feel that way with having had more information about him? I would. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Or I would okay. say if he had good results with the 400 tests, why not go five or 600 milligrams of test and and maybe 50 megs of anavar and see how he does with that. Okay. Uh, I'd, that'd be, I'm not a huge fan of Deca yeah. personally, um, no, so no, I, no. I would rather do 50 migs of, I'd rather bump the test and do a, a little bit more Anavar in you know shorter bursts than add Deca, and that's just me. Uh,
0: we'll take this one really quick. This is from Matt Blevins. Uh, how do I find local shows? And please don't say Google. I'm going to say Google. Go to your local state. Well, find your state NPC website. They'll have
2: you know, all the info there. We'll just type in like New York NPC or yep. Wisconsin NPC and the, the page will show up. But what you guys got to understand is, is there's there's like maybe 10 or 15 promoters slash chairmen that control like most of the continental U.S. Like, for instance, Steve Weinberger has Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, New York, uh, New Jersey. You know, down south, I think Tim Gardner has like Florida and like, you know, maybe Georgia, too. And then uh, Trey Bennett has the Carolinas. Uh, Gary has... Pennsylvania, um, I think Ohio and a few other states. My point being is like, once you find like who the promoter slash chairperson is in your area, it's pretty easy because they're going to have all the shows in their region on the website. Right. Yeah.
0: Here in Michigan, you just go to the, I think it's like Michigan com, and we have all the promoters, you know, all the list. It's just like the whole state and it shows you all the shows. So good question though a lot of people probably wonder that who are newer um question for the next show any uh, have any of you had clients that have had to stop prepping because of a lack of support from family i'm barely into my 16 week prep for my show it's kind of a bucket list thing already my wife is giving me a very hard time about the diet and training even though my schedule hasn't changed much I'm worried that it's bad now. If it's bad now, it can imagine what it's going to be like at three weeks out. If I were your client, should I push through and do the show, knowing it won't be my very best, or call it a lost dream? Whew! It's a fucking brutal question. Not your
1: very best. Well, I, I can tell you, I mean, this comes up quite a bit, and I have clients ask me this all the time. I'm sure you guys do, too, though, the more I think about it. So... Um, it, it is incredibly difficult to prep, especially when you're newer to prepping and competing, if you don't have the support. Um, oddly enough, uh, or maybe it's not odd, but when you're new to it, you typically won't have the support because they don't understand the process. And it, I'm going to be honest here. You know, it becomes a little, uh, obviously, the the act of prepping can be very selfish in the sense that there are things you're not going to be able to do or not want to do. You're not going to want to, you know, go out to dinner and have drinks with your wife or your girlfriend, and you're probably not going to want to go out and take your kids to, you know, the food related shit. And a lot of what we do as far as going out is focused around food and drinking. What you, what you should do as a competitor, especially if you have a family is you need to take one for the team in the sense that you don't want to inconvenience or change the people around you's lifestyle any more than you have to. So, put that discipline to work and still do the things that you would normally do, but don't consume the food, don't consume the alcohol. That means you might sit there during a meal that you have your family out to and and you don't eat, or you eat prior to going, and then you you can still you know it. I almost get frustrated not at this person who's asking the question, but I get frustrated sometimes that people who want to do this and they want to compete, but they're not able to – like they feel like that is just asking too much. Well, I don't want to be around alcohol because I'm going to want to drink it. Well, you're in a sport that demands discipline 24-7. So if you don't have it, then do something else. But if you don't have that support from your family and they're just totally against it and they think what you're doing is stupid, I would never tell somebody to go find a different partner. That's for you to figure out. But I can't even imagine not having someone in my corner that is supportive of me. And I, I'm just saying, if it were me, I'm not telling anybody what, if it were me, I'd be questioning who I'm with and why they don't, why they're not supportive of what I'm doing. Unless you're, again, not trying to be as accommodating. Mm-hmm. As you possibly can to keep things normal and still do things. If you're just lounging around the couch because, you know, you're just so smoked from prep and, oh my God, I'm starving and this sucks, then yeah, that's not very fair to the people, right? You, you still have, you still owe them some, they don't owe you anything. It's what you want to do. But if you're, if this is what you want to do and this is your drink, you, I say you fucking do it. I mean, you, you do it and you, you know, to say that it's, it's not going to work or you're not going to be at your best, be at your best, do everything the way you're supposed to do. And at least that way, you're going to show the commitment to the people around you. And maybe they'll take you seriously or more seriously about your devotion and your passion and your commitment to what you're doing. And then they'll be on board and respect it more. But if you're going to, if you're going to cave to your friends or to your family and oh, I'm going to go out and eat, I couldn't help it because, you know, I was out then that's on you because they're going to expect you to cave all the fucking time. Yeah. Go out when the.
2: Yeah. I just have two quick things to add. First, um, just like Skip kinda of started talking about it, but you just gotta uphold your end of the bargain in terms of things around the house. You know, just because you're in prep doesn't mean household chores or driving the kids to baseball or whatever else it is that was your normal responsibility, those don't go away. So you got to make bodybuilding work around that. And secondarily, this was a John Meadows thing. He, you know, he talked about it a lot was sitting your family down, your wife, especially if that's the case in this situation and saying like, this is what I need to do for the next 16 weeks to, you know, reach my, you know, to fulfill a goal that I've had. And yes, there's gonna be times where I'm just a little more quiet. I'm not as sociable. I'm not as talkative. I'm not mad at you at all. But um, and I'm going to make it up to you after the show and then absolutely make it up to them. So whether it's taking them on a vacation or, you know, whatever it is, we're going to go out to dinner. We're going to do this, like do all those things that you promised that you were going to do so that you're getting that feet, that uh, that give and take on the other end for that 16 weeks through your prep.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. And 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 if your partner goes
1: out and sleeps with someone else, (laughs) it's not on them. (laughs) it's on you so you might want to get your wife a boyfriend or something to keep her occupied while you're prepping
0: I think you guys both touched on something that's really important and that is that like you need to still be the best you can be you know and still give because I think that it can be easy to be like oh I'm on prep I don't want to do that you know you don't, you know, and, and, and you still can because I've had people tell me like, oh, well, I don't want to go to a restaurant if I can't eat the food I want to eat. You know, the reality is if you're 16 weeks out and, and, and I've had people that are in this position and, you know, we've come up with plans where like you can still order a chicken breast. You know what? There might even be a little bit of oil on that chicken breast that we didn't want in the plan. But right now, like in our my relationship with this client, I tell him like, I know that you can handle that. Like it's not gonna make or break you if we do this this once, this one time on a Saturday night because your wife enjoys your company. You gotta you gotta remember too, cause like in our society, we are so conditioned. Like you said, Skip, like all we do is when it like we go out and we eat, we go out and we drink. Like what do we do when we go out on a date? Date is food. What do we do when we celebrate our birthday? We go out to eat. What do we do when our families get together for Christmas? We eat. We have such like a connection you know to food sure. it's that <sighs> emotional connection and it's really important to be able to to remember that it's not about the actual food it's not about eating a cheeseburger it's about spending that quality time with that, that the person right. you know actually i But other I, people
1: are weird and if you're not taking part in what they're doing a lot of times they're yep. bothered by it, especially when it comes to alcohol. It's mm. almost like, why are you not drink? It's like misery loves company to a certain degree. It's like, well, if you're well, not going to – I've had people tell me that they, their friends won't go out with them if they're not going to drink. Do huh. You need different friends. Like what – either that or you suck when you're not drinking.
2: Yeah. If you're so <laughs> fun to <laughs> hang
1: out with when you're drinking and you suck when you're not drinking, you should probably drink. <laughs> I just Wouldn't got, you say I, that's I, a reflection
2: I, more on them though? No it's question. a question. Maybe of jealousy, or wow, this person has this different. Like I say it this way, because like and you've probably seen it locally. Like when you were coming up as a coach or a competitor, everyone's cheering you on when you're, you know, this guy. But when you really start to hit it big, the stories start to hard, start to come out, or like people make stuff up, like oh, he does this with his clients, like something bad. Yeah, or, yeah, he does that. You know what I'm saying? Like as you gain that notoriety, and as you get further up the ladder in the success chain people start to like try to pull you down a little bit. And I don't, and I think some of these cases, spouses are no different.
0: Hmm. I, I worked with a guy and I, I'm going to say this because I am sure he's not listening and his, his wife's not listening, but this is like, <laughs> this is, I, I told this story on bodybuilding nerds radio, like literally in the first month of ever recording a podcast and he heard it and she heard it and she tore me up because I didn't name her. I didn't name her. What is a, a guy who's a good friend of mine. Oh, Oh, the wife's here. She was bringing me a drink.
2: Oh, I was like, no, that's, the oh, wife? That's good. <laughs> the wife.
0: The wife. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Tor. Um, so this guy, though, he um, he decides he's going to do a prep. Like I said, long-time friend of mine. He's actually, I knew him through high school, reconnected with him at the gym, and I'm helping him for it. And his his girlfriend at the time was just not – they're still together. They She was not in, into the idea. And she's tried to start sabotaging him. So she'd be like, he's on the way home from when you're coming home from the, he had to work like 12 hours, like a long shift, hard work. And then he'd go to the gym and still do everything he needed to do. And she'd be like, well, when you're coming home from the gym, pick me up Arby's and pick me up this, pick me up that. And before you know, it's was like, uh, you know, when you're coming home from the gym, go stop at Dairy Queen, pick me up a banana split. And so he was like. He started looking at this as like a test and being like yeah i can get that bag of arby's and it's sitting in the car and i'm starving and low calories and i'll just do it you know he ended up passing every one of these tests and not cracking and finally yeah. and we didn't know if he was going to make it or not because he had had some other issues and stuff and we didn't know uh, how it was going to work out and and it was a little bit on the fence whether he was going to compete and then finally like three weeks out i saw him at the gym And he was absolutely, like, peeled. Like, we nailed it. Like, we fucking nailed it. We went in the locker room. I look at him. And he's, like, just all fucking just, uh, like, like striations through his face kind of guy, you know? And I was, like, dude, you're fucking ready. Like, we're going to do this thing. So, like, plan on it. And then that night, she said no. She said it's either the show or it's me. She didn't want him going backstage. She didn't want other women putting the tan on him. She was afraid that him getting in this kind of shape and him doing a bodybuilding show was going to change him. And that he would, you know, obviously there were some fucking issues there. So,
1: well, of course he's going to look at somebody else because the other people aren't eating Arby's and looking nasty in a bathing suit. Bitch, you didn't need to be eating Dairy Queen and Arby's the entire time. Now he's in shape and you're sitting over here looking dumpy. (laughs) I get it. Shit, I totally get it.
2: Well, you know That's what? Fine. To be fair I hope, I hope to her, he dumped her. Slightly. I hope she
1: is listening. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just as little caveat, just to be fair to her, because I had a client just like that. We started out as just a general general client, you know, needed to lose fifty pounds to look halfway decent, and we did that, and then we kept going and going until he did his first show, and then the ego started. This was a guy who was married, two oh. kids, and okay, so like he uh, he divorced his wife, I think, mm. within like a few months of competing started cheating like serially started. Um, I think he's been engaged in like divorce, engaged, married and divorced like three times since then. and It's only been like a year. God. Like oh, so, but my point, he started like serial dating women, serial cheating, serial. And it really went to his head. And he even like said to Rachel one time, like at the gym, like, well, how do you deal with it? And she's like, what? And he's like, all the, all the DMS Andrew must get, you know, when he's in shape and you know, all the girls he must be getting with. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about, you know? So, just yeah. yeah. That, it, maybe she was onto something there. Maybe she was yeah. onto something. Maybe she saw something in this guy before that
0: he was he was you know. very humble. Uh like I said, he was okay. a friend of mine. He was a, he was a humble guy. You know, who knows? I've seen that happen before though, like somebody competes and then it, you know, men and women both that they just, get into, you know, stage condition. Yeah, yeah. How many um how many people have you guys worked with who were like first timer bikini competitor and then after, you know, a few years then they're like they need a new coach because they like they you know, they need to like up their game and they gotta yeah, be part exactly. of a like team, you know, exodus team, or yeah. whatever.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's a big thing right well, how now. Many, how many how many people have you guys things? prepped yeah. and then
1: halfway through or three quarters of the way through the prep they're talking about divorce? Or their spouse is talking about divorce, and then within two weeks after the show, when they go back to being normal, then all of a sudden everything is fine again. I've Mm -hmm. had that happen so many times. and I've told my wife this before over the years, and you guys have probably seen this too. A lot of times when someone is going to make, whether men, uh, men or women, they're going to make a dramatic lifestyle change. A lot of times they're on their way out. They're mm. making that change because mm-hmm. they're going back out on the market, and you can't get laid as easily when you're dumping. You're not in good shape, so they they mm. play it out while they're getting into great shape, and then they're out. I have I don't know how many times I went this this woman is losing. She's lost forty pounds. Friends, friends of mine, forty yeah. pounds. I'm like she's on the way out. My wife's like, no, and then she's on the way out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I've I've seen that. I've seen that more than uh-huh. that for sure.
1: Yep.
2: So maybe we can tell this question, you know, this answer, you know, or answer this question by saying, make sure you reaffirm to your wife that that's not the situation. That yeah. you're not yeah. trying to better yourself to go and, you know, find someone else. Yeah. You're doing this strictly for yourself.
0: It can be tough, though. You know, if, if you're in a relationship and one person decides to better themselves, it can it can cause, you know, it can cause the other person to feel you know, to feel that way. I, I was in a relationship with a girl uh, after I had, because I was married before, after I'd gotten divorced. She was in the industry. She had, she had like a, she was like, why are you getting into shape? You know, you don't need to, you don't need to get in shape. You know, she was like trying to hold me back. It was, it was weird, man. Yeah, that is weird. All right. What else do we got here? All right. It says says, uh, outstanding show, guys. Always love, uh, g- uh, always great info and love the additions of Chase Iron. Uh, Andrew and Nate, quick question for the board: Does anyone have experience with using UGL injectables that have been stored properly but have gone close to a year or more past expiration? Would it uh, theoretically be safe to use an oil-based UGL brand, Trend Ace, that is expired, or should it be tossed? You toss
1: it out let's be honest interest. no one is throwing gear away we're gonna try yeah. it in a small <laughs> dose and we're gonna see what happens i mean yeah you know, and correct me if i'm wrong but i always look at the expiration dates uh, especially on tabs it's just more of a and like an obligatory date that they have to put on it i've used tabs and powders that have been five or six years old and i've noticed no fucking difference They could probably go longer than that i think when it comes down to an injectable it's more about the quality and who put it to you know who what those quality control uh parameters were i'm gonna trust it a couple, and it comes down to storage too. If you're storing them in a cool place and it's not in sunlight and that sort of thing, obviously you're going to check to see if, you know, there's crystallization or crystals or anything going on there. But I'm going to be honest and I'm going to say, uh, you know, call me a dumbass, but I'm going to try some and I'm going to see. But I'm not going to hesitate if it's if it's a year wow. or two.
2: Shit, please, I've done that too many too many times. What disrupts hormones? he Intense cold, sunlight, electricity. As long as it's not exposed to those things and it's been kept in a, you know, very temperature-controlled, sunlight-ridden, you know, Mm -hmm. cupboard, you're fine, you know. You might want to just, you might want to heat it up, you know, just in case there was, like, any bacteria in there before you stored it, um, allowed it not to propagate. Would I? Probably not. (laughs) I'd just use it. I know. (laughs) You know.
1: BA tends to take care of things like that, and there should be enough in there. Yeah, but...
2: You yeah, know, you still exactly. want to
1: be here's the thing. I don't want to tell somebody from a liability standpoint. Hey, yeah, go ahead. Just hit it because if something were to happen and you ended up with necrotic, you know, uh, blisters and shit coming out of your glutes or your delts, I'm going to feel pretty bad about that. I'm just telling you what I would do and I'd fucking use it.
0: Yeah. What about he, he adds just, in? He says also expired primo um, that has uh, been crystallized. Uh, Not sure if they are safe or should just be tossed at this point.
1: I don't think crystallization has anything to do with it being bad. It just may have crashed. I mean, I have DHB crash all the time. Heat it up, shake it up, boom, hit it.
2: (laughs) I agree. Here's another one, actually, you guys might find interesting. Because you know, like we've been taught that peptides you know whether it's insulin gh or whatever you mix it you need to use it within a certain time frame right so i tested that i purposely mixed it and and i had to test it with something that i knew i would feel and i and i used melanotan because you know you get a stomach ache when you take that so i mixed some up and i purposely left it in the fridge saying okay i'm going to test this out in three months and see if it's still good Well, I actually forgot it was in there, and it was more like nine months later when I got around to pulling it back out when I noticed it. And I took the shot, and within five minutes, I had the nausea feeling. So just for people out there, if you think like, oh, I mixed a bottle of melanotan, I don't know if this would apply to growth hormone. I don't know if it would apply to insulin that you've been using. But I'm just saying that maybe as long as you're keeping it in the temperature-controlled situation, you're not shaking it, you're not rattling it, some of these peptides that we mix up might last longer than we think they do.
0: I think i I'm going
2: to one—oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, you go ahead. You're going to want to say on that?
1: i add one thing to that oh. because it's funny because I did the melanotan the same way. My thing is, is I never store melanotan in the fridge. Mm. I literally keep it in my drawer in the, because I have never once, in all the time I've been using melanotan, and I'm pretty much a professional melanotan mm. user, <laughs> I, I have never seen a difference. I'll say this after it goes like a couple months, like a month or so, mm. it might be a little weaker. But it never dies. So no. I'm thinking, damn. And then I try to equate it like you were to growth hormone. Thing is, with GH, you're not really going to know yeah, for sure. No. So at least with melanotan, exactly you it. feel something. Yeah. So I do keep my growth in the fridge. I'm very, very careful with that. Uh, and it's a little more expensive than melanotan, I guess, depending on where you get it from. Because some places are ridiculous. But nonetheless, it's not as bad as growth. But that's funny that you say that. Because if one peptide is not necessarily um, degrading. You have to wonder about the other ones, too. Mm-hmm.
0: I can tell you that melanotin is not nearly as complex of a peptide sequence. So there's that. Yeah, agreed. But I've done the mm-hmm. same thing as both of you guys. Uh, I, had, <laughs> I had a vial of melanotin that was mixed in the refrigerator for two years. Oh, that's, that's oh, definitely a one off.
1: <laughs> I, God I used damn, it, and that's a two Yeah. I
2: used it. I used you, it. You still felt the nausea? Yeah, yeah, it still worked. Like, it was It was legit. You, because, like, I picked melanotan because I wanted to test this peptide theory out about, like, how long you can store or how long, you know, how quickly they need to be used. And I was like, okay, melanotan is something you feel instantly when you take it, right? Mm-hmm. So this would be the best one to use. So you're saying you use melanotan, you felt the, the nausea two years later after Two years. That's, two years. Oh, and- yeah, that's a.
0: It, it was it was around that period of time. And the reason that I actually even thought to do it was I remembered hearing Aaron Singerman on his podcast back when he used to just be a bro. He had, you know, Iron Empire Radio with PJ Braun. And he had said that he had a vial of melanotin that was mixed and it was in his suitcase. And it was like rattling around in there, forgot about it. it had, like he didn't even know what trip it was from. And he found it some period later and was like, oh, there's a mixed vial of melanotin. Let me see if it works. And he was like, and it still worked.
2: You know, just yeah, sitting in the no suitcase shit. all that time, I'd be more worried about well, it rattling and shaking. Oh, yeah, no yeah, shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I have a plan to three up you, though. Cause I'm gonna microwave a
2: vial and see if it works. <laughs> Fuck both of them. <laughs>
1: I'm not gonna be outdone. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: while we're talking about peptides, real quick, uh, yeah. he was telling me that he sent a client of his to a uh, like an online, uh, you know, HRT type pharmacy clinic, yeah. and they were prescribing him all this stuff. Guess how much the ipamorelin was that they wanted to wanted to charge him for how much $1,800 a bottle oh my god oh, wow. I'm like dude, it's times like, like that that
1: I hope karma
2: truly is a thing because that's just well, luckily horrible. luckily he had Nate being like dude that's a fucking waste of money. I can get track for more than 40 bucks. Like that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You can get, damn. you can get real, uh, you can get Increlex for way, you know, cheaper than that. Yeah. You can get yeah. It's a sero stand. You can get, you know, all this other mm-hmm. stuff. That's crazy though. That's terrible.
0: Yeah. Uh, Man. by the way, amino asylum, check them out. Code think they're back.
2: There's their, other site was down the other day. I had to order some stuff and I had to wait a day or two. Was
0: it, was that when we talked about it like a few weeks ago
2: or was that again? No, I think it was down like, You know what? No, I'm sorry. I ordered and then I checked the next day because I was going to send a... a product to a client, yeah, and I kept on typing the website in, and it wasn't loading, and I was like, oh. I explained to him because a lot of times, I think the web hosters don't like to, once they realize what the products are that these companies are selling, they cancel their contract or hold <coughs> the web for a while until they find another, another hosting service. I would it, imagine that's what it was. It's
0: a constant cat and mouse game. So I think that was when you messaged me, and I was explaining that, yeah, that they'd probably gotten pulled, but they, then that they went back up now, uh and the, it's dot shop. Yeah, back up today so yep. yeah all right cool uh what do we got time for here do we got time for one one more one more what about uh what about some sissy squats
1: david posted oh, this, this up oh this this got heated
0: did it i didn't even look Good. but I, I saw it had a bunch of comments on it um well this one didn't they
1: well Is it the same one? I don't know.
0: Anyway. Never did the sissy squats. These never did those sissy squats before started last month and crazy thing. I believe it helped with my knee pain. Anyone doing those? Uh, How would you fit them in? I believe John used to superset them with legs. I think Skip Hill mentioned them as well.
1: I did, let me get this this quick point out of the way first. I tire of the people who want to argue that that's not a sissy squat. It's not in the sense that it's not an old school sissy squat. I get that. But God damn it, it's a sissy squat piece of equipment. That's how people know it. That's how it's labeled. So as far as I'm concerned, there's two sissy squats. There's the old school one that really is more of a stretch to the rectus femoris. We know that. You go up on the balls of your feet, you lean back, it's old school. But this is still a sissy squat piece. What's important here, and one of the guys pointed this out, it's the angle at the hip as to whether the the rectus femoris is being stretched or how much. And mm-hmm. I agree with him. I just think it's funny. The Internet is funny because when there's a tone of condescension, you don't help – like he had good information. He had a good point, and it was he was correct. But when you just even put subtle condescension in there, it just doesn't help to get – the point across because you're kind of belittling it's almost like you're trying to want it's like me coming in and, and pointing out heterographs or solecisms when people post something uh you know that they they use the wrong word it, it's just me trying to one-up you going come on get on your fucking grammar game it's the same shit so one's no more right than the other but it just doesn't help so yes wh- that piece is fucking awesome i can't use it I personally think, and I wonder what you guys think. I honestly think that sissy squat piece of equipment is every bit as good, if not better. I'll say it's better than leg extensions for rectus femoris.
2: Hmm.
1: Tell me I'm wrong.
2: I can't. I can't disagree with that. I do.
1: I think it's fucking. Man. I think it's great. I think it's equally as difficult on the knees. Again, it's it's the angle at the hip, because the more you're going to stretch, I guess what I'm saying is so that you, so that the listeners understand what I'm saying when I say angle at the hip. If you're upright or even slightly back, you're going to get more of a stretch to the rectus femoris based on the hip position. If you're leaning forward, you're not going to get as much of a stretch because it, it it does turn into more of a squat. Is it still working? It is, but not to the degree. I mean, all you have to do is lean back a little bit and tell me the next day after doing them for the first time that, that you're just not, so fucking crippled sore down the middle of your quad, the top middle part of your quad that you don't even want to flex that damn muscle. You're going to feel it. And it's going to be pretty obvious. And when you first start out, if you're not that strong, you're not going to be able to have as advantageous of an open angle at the hip because you just don't typically have the strength to be able to, it's funny, not even just a strength, but when you first do this exercise, you don't trust the piece the the piece of equipment because you feel like you're just going to fall over backwards. It just doesn't feel right. Oh, and there's one more thing. If you can't adjust the foot pad position, there are some shitty, shitty sissy squat machines where the foot pads are too far forward and they are dangerous on the knee. It's a horrible, horrible position for the knee to be put in and it makes it when they're forward far forward like when you can't adjust them it 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 makes it almost impossible to have the correct angle at the hip anyway so if you can't adjust those foot pads i'm gonna say don't even fucking use it because i've never seen one that's not adjustable that is in the correct or more advantageous position to be able to open up at the hip and really stretch on the rectus femoris
2: there was a lot there sorry i like to do them with a band so that like i think that's a great idea stay as upright as possible i'm not cheating cheating i'm not changing the exercise target from from my fr- uh, from oris to the other quad muscles so i can stay upright and taking a little just a little bit of my body weight off so i can do the exercise straight up and down and i think if you do that okay so let, so let me I ask you this prefer to do that. Oh, go ahead
1: with that resistance no, band With that resistance band, where do you anchor it? Do you want more pull going straight up, or do you want the pull coming this way so that when the hips come forward? Yeah, I'm trying. Because I've tried it both ways, and I'm not sure which one I like better. I actually think I like it better behind me, so that when my hips come forward, it's almost like a. Glute, because when you're doing this exercise, there's not a lot of glute. It's primary, I mean, it's like damn near 99%. And the reason I know that is when I had a torn glute, it was one of the few exercises I could do where I was actually bending at the hip, and it didn't bother my glutes at all while I was rehabbing that torn glute.
2: I put the band in front of me, but I see what you're saying about the band. behind
1: Oh, you. in front of you. Okay, I got you. You're in just, front. Just
2: okay. so it's more so to take some of my body weight off, so that I don't cheat the exercise Where's my hand. So I don't gotcha. cheat the exercise Very good point. by leaning forward yep. to make it easier. If you get what I'm saying, like nice. I'm, I want. Okay, I 100%, like 100. Yeah, I want to 100% target the the intended tissue and not cheat the movement at all. So I and like turn it too. into more good like point. a squat. I, like I assumed so, it
1: was for added resistance. My my bad.
0: It's pulling you forward, is what you're saying? It's, yeah. Is, is, it, is it around it's, your waist then?
2: Yeah. Okay. So, I got gotcha. you. It's almost like I can lean back against it. Yes, yes, yes. You so, could no, hang exactly. on to it. We're, or or the i was just gonna say the other thing we've done is we've held on because like when yeah. i see people they when they when they put bars on their back and they're trying to do like 135 doing that yeah but they're oh, bent oh, over yeah. like this i'm like why aren't yeah. you just squatting then dude because now you're right now you're added a whole danger component to it where you yeah. can't drop the bar. all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like, and you're moving in the squat position anyway. So why are, why are you making this more complicated to me? The sissy squat should be done with like body weight or even less body weight, uh, less than your mm-hmm. body weight to really just target that tissue that normally doesn't get hit from leg extension, squats, leg press, the other exercises. Yeah.
0: I like that. <clears throat> I like that. I'll have to try that next time I do some sissy squats. All right. Well, listen, was well, for- the
2: controversy by the way. Before, yeah. I, before we co- close out, what was the controversy? Was it just the condescension kind of in explaining anatomically what to do? or?
1: Yeah it, yeah, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't huge drama. I don't want to make it out to be more than what it was, but it was the argument about the hip. It, basically, people just tend to want to say they just can't stand that that piece is considered a sissy squat. And I understand why in the okay, sense that I gotcha. it, does encu- it doesn't encourage you to keep that that angle at the hip open more. It it is misused a lot. And and that I agree with, but I think it's a lot of older school guys because the old school sissy squat coming up on the balls of your feet and staying back, uh, you know, more, I don't do it one. I don't hang on one sided, hold a plate with one hand, hold on. That to me is fucking crooked. It's not symmetrical. So I'm going to hang on to like a, okay, check this out. I, I would tell people to do it this way. If you have a, and there could be a million exercises or pieces that you could use, but a seated hammer leg curl, put like two or three plates on the side, get in front of it, put your feet right against the brace of the frame huh. and hang on to the pads. And as you go down, it'll allow you to go underneath it. And then as you come up, you're hanging on, and it's not a... It's not a fixed, like you'll move a little bit, like the paddle move a little bit, so it gives you a little bit more, I don't know, fluidity, I guess, because it's not rigid. It's not like you're hanging on to a bar. Yeah, it's, it, okay. It'll move a little bit. I have found that to be very effective, and there are other things that you can hang on to, but at least that way you're straight. And I don't think you need, most people aren't going to need added resistance if you're really no. doing them correctly. Then again, that's the old school You know, underrated exercise though. I I really do think it's underrated, and I do. The original question was where to put them, and and I I mean you're not going to do them at the beginning because it's such a, it's a vulnerable stretch that if you're not warm, it's not a good idea. Plus, the the stress on the knee is is relatively high. It'd be much like doing a heavier leg extension to open, which you know isn't always a great idea. You finish with them, you're already fatigued. It just takes it. Takes those quads and specifically, or more specifically, your rectus femoris even further uh, at the end. I think it's a finisher. All right,
0: let's wrap this thing up, guys. Thanks for watching. We appreciate having you here. Uh, check out our sponsors, TrueNutrition.com. Use our code THINK. I've got some marshmallow treat, by the way, on the way, Skip. I've got, nice. uh, I ordered some Team Skip, and then I ordered some pea protein isolate for Victoria. So we're both going to get to try it, uh, plus a couple other things. So I'm excited for that. Uh, like I said, use our code THINK. Go to uh, supplementsource.ca. You can support us there if you're in Canada. Everybody at Patreon, appreciate you guys. In fact, next episode, I've got a couple Patreon questions. So we'll make sure we tackle those early in the program. And, uh, yeah, go over to BodyBerry.com if you want to get some coaching from Andrew. Head over to TeamSkip.com if you want to reach out to Skip for some coaching. You can hit me up, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. And, yes, I'm holding a 15-round magazine right now. That's what was in my hand that I'm pointing with. All right, guys, we'll see you soon. Looks, looks a little empty. It, it is. It is. For YouTube.